Okay, let's just go. Let's just go. I'm keen to Ollie, watch you're in a hurry. tonight. You're I, in a hurry. I'd like to watch a movie tonight, Ian. Yeah? Let's try our best to make that not happen. Hiya, I'm Ian. He's Ollie. Hiya. We're both guys and we're chatting about making films. It's the Guys on Film podcast. And that's how for now. Do you get it? No, it's not. No, because that's what they say at the end. <sighs> As in, like, you know, that's all for now. But actually, we're just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started. You've okay. made a grave error right from the off, Ollie. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what's grave. I don't know who's dying. But anyway, okay. if you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet, then what the hell are you doing? You've made a grave error. <laughs> go go to iTunes uh, or your favorite podcast app and hit the big subscribe button, uh, and you can leave us an amazing glowing five star review. But the other thing that I think is probably better really we'd love is if you just tell some of your friends about it because that's going to help spread the word guys on film friend family stranger is that a a tagline shopkeep friends family and stranger guys on film podcast yeah Uh, okay so what's on this week's show Ollie well uh, we've got a a bit of an interview that was a a huge pause there okay huge pause like um What's the name of the dog? The, the big dog. It's not Scooby-Doo, but the huge, massive one. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. We're on a, a tight time <laughs> schedule. Uh, so we're, Comedy timing was off the chain, though. Okay, so like we're... Like the dog, presumably. We're talking about how to make a film. We've had a few guests on in the past, and we've got another guest on today. Uh, Ian, you've just done the interview. Uh, who's it with? I did the interview today. So Harvey, who uh, was on our podcast before from Raindance, hooked me up uh, with Elliot Grove, who's the person who runs Raindance, uh, which is basically a film festival, but they also do teaching and film tuition and all sorts of cool stuff like that. So I had a chat with him, and he's made a bunch of films before, Ali. Okay. Uh, so you know, this is real proper advice. Wow. So we'll have a chat with him, but we're also going to chat about things that we're looking to make soon. And in Seggy One, we're talking about we're we're getting the creative juices flowing basically, um, and talking about remakes for films. So, so ideas that we've had for remakes that Dwayne the Rock Johnson could make. Yeah. Can you smell what he's making? <laughs> Can you <laughs> smell what I'm recooking? <laughs> Can you smell what Dwayne is filming? <laughs> uh, potentially. Yeah, you uh, And slap could. in the middle of that, we've got life scores. What do you think um, his smelliest film would have been? <laughs> uh, which one would have raised the most eyebrows from a smell point of view? Yeah. Um, I don't know, really. I mean, uh, like, let me come back to that. Yeah. I'm thinking it might have been... Um, Maybe Jumanji because of the amount of animals and they're all going to be, you know, defecating left, right and centre. <laughs> That's no way to talk about Jet Black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that your... No, it's not... can't have been pre-written. Uh, okay, no, uh, we've, got life, we've got life scores and uh, and then we've got Ian reading his our rights at the end of the, end of the show. Do we really need to signpost the fact that I will finish the show at the start <laughs> of the show? Yeah. Well, people want to know. Uh, so, I mean, okay. we can move swiftly on. Yeah. 
guys on film. Yeah, we're guys, we're talking about film. It's the guys on film podcast for real. You know what guys talk about film. It's the guys on film podcast for real. So we're talking about remakes that The Rock, or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, could potentially do. Uh, seeing as he has remade Jumanji and uh, he looks like he's about to remake Die Hard with the film oh, Skyscraper, really? yeah, because it looks like Die Hard. Oh, right, so it's not a direct, it's not a direct remake. It's not a direct so remake, but it, it certainly looks like one. So we're just going to be talking about films that, you know, uh, maybe we'd, we'd like to see him remake. So, just before uh, we do then, what's your, what's your feels, just since you're so um, into Big Trouble in Little China and it's one of your faves? What are your thoughts on the fact that he wants to remake that? I think Jack Burton is such an interesting character. Wow. Um, <laughs> basically, because he's... Okay, tell me more. So he's an action hero in a film where he basically does nothing. He, he tries to do stuff, but he always messes it right up. He, you know, he, he gets stuck, he knocks himself out, he gets captured. He's basically a rubbish hero. He does nothing right. He basically, he only does one thing right. And when he does it right, it's amazing. And it's a brilliant payoff. And that's why I love it so much. And now I'm, I'm... So less analysis on the original. What are you thinking about this? Yeah, well, here we go. That's, this is, this is where I'm getting. I wonder if The Rock can have that level of, you know, poking fun at himself that he can fail all the way through an action film. Can he do it? There was a little bit of that in Jumanji, but, you know, this film requires him for the whole film to be practically useless. So, uh, can he I'm do I'm pretty that? certain he can. I'm pretty certain he can. When really? you're a bad guy in wrestling, you, you get made to look stupid all the time. Yeah, um, well, that's my only one reservation, I you think. You have to sell for other people. Yeah, if he, if he can't do that, if they don't do that, then they've completely missed the point of the character. Agree? Okay. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. He's also saying that he might get uh, John Carpenter involved, so that's that's good. Well, John um, Carpenter just plays we... uh, plays ice hockey games on his uh, PlayStation these days and does little gigs in Cov. So I'm sure he's free. He's not. Busy. Okay. So what's your first remake for me, Ollie? Uh, Do I have to? So basically, I have to greenlight it or shit it in the bin. Yeah. So I'd like to see him actually uh, go for an Arnie classic. And that would be The Running Man. But maybe yep. not the the film version, but the book version. I want people to do this. Go and watch the trailer for Skyscraper because basically there's a bit right at the end where he's running on this crane and he's got a jump what looks like about five to six metres across uh, a big crane to a gap in a window. And his uh, character in this film has got a prosthetic leg and... The Rock running at full pelt with a prosthetic leg is probably the most adorable thing I've seen all year. Okay. He just can't get the speed up. So I'd like to see more so, of The Rock running. Yeah, but why does he have to remake Running Man? For my... For my <laughs> just just, just so that he can do it as a man with a prosthetic leg? Or? Well, no, just so he can do more running because I'd like to see more oh. films where he's he running at, at full pelt. I quite like the idea. I think maybe 70 episodes ago, I suggested that The Running Man was the one that I'd be okay with him remaking because it's the irony film that I think the production values are kind of the shittest in. Okay. Like, I think he could do in, it. Total Recall, for example, like the the effects still stand up enough that you don't get distracted by how 80s they are. A lot of the stuff is like sort of 
biscuit tin sellotape to people's heads in the running man. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of obvious. And, <laughs> so, and let, let's not forget that the film is based as a TV show in like a kind of game show, but the book is him on the run in cities and people chasing after him that way. So they could make it different enough. So uh Yeah, I think so. Okay. So what's your I what's think your it merits it. I'm gonna agree I'm gonna green light that one by the okay. way, Ali. Oh thank you. Okay. My first one, it's Cabin in the Woods from twenty twelve. What? Hmm. With Joss Whedon, uh, Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard as writers. So the original synopsis was five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for, discovering the truth behind the cabin in the woods. Seven years later, Dwayne steps in to reimagine the movie. This cabin isn't remote. Uh, it's actually sort of been made under the working title Shed at the End of the Garden. But nevertheless, the truth behind the shed is as shocking as and harrowing as the first time round. So Clint, that's Dwayne Johnson, is on a mission to discover the secrets behind the wooden panel garden structures, which he has a conspiracy theory are the front for a government operation to generate real life monsters. You know, right. That's basically what the first one was about. But what he finds inside this garden shed is much, much more horrifying. And what does he find inside? Uh, I don't know. All, all I've got here is that filming's due to begin late 2018 in Coventry, UK. <laughs> um, all right. So he's obviously found the location for it. What do you reckon about that? Do you think that might be all right? I'm just going to go ahead and say it feels like another joke at the expense of my shed. Well, actually, I mean, Rather it won't be at the expense of your shed. They'll be paying you for the shed. Uh, getting access to it. Okay. The dark stories of all this shed. I mean, I, I'm quite up for a remake of Cabin in the Woods, but you know how... Already? Was, in real like, Sorry, no, re- being well, real for let, a minute. Let's just, Do you let's want just, a remake of a film that only came out like six years ago? Now, listen to my pitch. So it's not Cabin in the Woods, it's... Now listen to my pitch. Listen, it's a skyscraper in the city, okay? Now, you know how Cabin in the Woods was all about horror tropes and all the obvious things that happen in horror films and, you know, they all get sort of triggered off and all that. Uh, Skyscraper in the city is all about action tropes and, and it's the same sort of film... It just gives you free reign to do all the the action shit and laugh at it. Do they not kind of do that in Sylvester Stallone one? With all the action lads in it. Oh, Expendables. The Expendables, not the Untouchables. Yeah, probably. Have they not kind of done that? Maybe maybe not as sort of thoughtful as what you're suggesting. Yeah. Tell you what, I'm going to green light yours. What about um, Shed at the End of the Garden? What do you think about that? I'm, uh, I'm shitting it in the bin. You would. I need okay, you to be more creative. I, 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 you keep falling back on my shed as a means to okay, get a laugh fine. out of people. Do you want my next one? Okay. Okay, so this is the fly. But this time, the fly absorbs the rock's DNA. So the fly gets all ripped and uh, can do the people's elbow. It's, ba- it's a comedy. Okay. So rather than the human taking on qualities of a fly, the fly takes on qualities of the rock. So how does that play out? And why is it any different to Ant-Man? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's your next one? So, sorry to be Duncan Bannatyne about it. <laughs> well, can you just tell me whether you're in a route? Have you no seen that, Ant-Man? That was fucking great. 
I mean, you'd maybe make a wee bit of money, but it'd be straight to DVD. Okay. I'm out. All right, what's your next one? Uh, okay, so my next one is uh, he's going to remake Casablanca. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so it's a Humphrey Bogart and uh, Ingrid Bergman 1942 classic. Uh, in this one, though, Rick Blaine, played by Bradley Cooper, who owns who owns a nightclub in Miami, discovers his old flame Ilsa. Uh, that's Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. You know they've got chemistry, and that's proven. Right. Is in town with her husband Victor Laszlo. That's Dwayne Johnson. Okay. Laszlo's a famed rebel. And has dr- German drug dealers. Get how I've changed that to be more Miami than Second World War. Um, okay. German drug dealers on his tail. Ilsa knows Rick can help them get out of the country. Um, and so, I mean, that's basically the synopsis of Casablanca. But Blaine's friend and corru- corrupt uh, Miami police officer Louis is played by Owen Wilson. Okay, not Kevin how do you, Hart. How do you feel? A- mm, no. I feel like I feel like this could even be you know semi realistic. Like this is a potential idea that you could do. I think in actual fact you could remake Casablanca with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, but you just wouldn't have the Rock and Owen Wilson in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll green light it because I like the uh, the Miami setting. Yeah, and I like the pairing. I, th- I think the, I think the pairing's works. good. Yeah, and uh, you just think like you know. They're going to be best friends. It's a you know it's a friendship made in heaven, and Owen Wilson will also because he's like a police guy in Miami. He'll get to wear like a Hawaiian style shirt, but also carry a badge. What sort of badge? Like a Beano fan club badge? Yeah, or like a fake sheriff's badge from like a magazine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, have okay. you got any others? Uh, I've got one more. So actually, this is one that I th- I think would be good. I'd like to see The Rock remake the film Big, you know, the Tom Hanks one. Um, but I've yeah. just written down here, but no weird sex stuff. Okay, Okay. so who would play Who'd play his buddy? Oh, it'd be that kid from uh, Wonder who's really good with the Star Wars stuff. No, 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 but his buddy... Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, it would. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. <clears throat> that sounds good. And uh, who would play the um, love interest that he wouldn't have weird sex stuff with? Well, that's it. There wouldn't there wouldn't be because we would not even touch that because it's weird, it's wrong, um, and it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So he would just befriend some, maybe like a he'd just befriend someone like a big boy, like one of the big boys, like Owen oh, Wilson or Owen Kevin Wilson. Hart or or, or or whatever, and they'd just be. They'd be real good buddies, and and then you know, then you can have like a lot of times where like the rocks having his first beer. I mean, this is sounding a lot like Jumanji, uh, you know. So rather than all this weird, like you know, sexual stuff that was in the original Big, which is like I say, wrong and slightly pathetic, you can have some good, clean, honest fun. So I'd like Sounds to see good. the Big, the Big <laughs> remade with the Rock, and it would be called the Big. The big, yeah, the big in okay. it. Yeah, I think that one works. I'm going to greenlight that one. I'm up for it. Okay, cool. Oh, and actually, I, you know what? In the last, um, in the last week or so, The Rock has played a song on a keyboard on the floor on his Instagram. I have seen that. So he's in training for the big uh, shop scene. Oh, okay. Wow. He may have already greenlit it himself. Okay, well, I'd be happy for that. Um, cool, so should we move on to life scores? Sounds like we've got some uh, good projects to send off to Al Dueno. 
Yeah, five dollar productions or whatever they're called. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Life scores. Live score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine, thank you. Live score. Out of ten. Live score. Pro- probably like a, a four. I'm good, Ollie. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing good. I'm. I'm actually good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, life score. Yeah. Um. Nine. That's so ridiculous. Right. Uh, well, you're gonna have to do some explaining. Well, I've had a good week. Busy, but I've been fitting good stuff all around it. Um, I've just today I've done an interview, for example. Uh, that's been fun. Um, yeah. Uh, which people will hear a little bit of later on. I've also managed to listen to uh, listen to watch a couple of films. Um, I watched okay. a Field in England. Have you seen Ooh, that? That's no, I haven't. Uh, ben uh, Wheatley one. I like that kind of that kind of vibe. But I haven't seen it yet. No, I would. I'm up for it though. How was it? Okay, I I liked it, but I, th- I don't think I maybe liked it as much as Ben Wheatley's other stuff or like Sightseers in particular. I liked Sightseers quite a lot. Um, I so get the feeling that watched them in the other order. That maybe a field in England is more of a kind of experimental piece rather than a yeah. a big a big one that he's you know pushing. He probably just. You know, really wanted to make a, a film in a particular style. Yeah. 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 You're right there. Um, so. You've been getting enough sleep? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, that was me doing like a sort of. Ugh. Okay. Um, I also watched. Uh, is it the Cloverfield Anomaly or what is it called? I've also seen this. Yeah, it was. Um, it was all right. I fell asleep halfway through it, but here's the thing. <laughs> Sam. Sam Worthington is in a trailer right now for a film called The Titan. We won't get into that too much, okay. but it's another thing where he takes on the body of an alien or something. It's well Avatar okay. slash Prometheus. But in the trailer for that, there's this video screen, sort of video wall thing. And in the Cloverfield film, there's also this video wall. And yeah. neither of them have gotten it right. And uh, I think they did it in the most recent series of Black Mirror as well. That thing that in Aliens, they got so well like sort of in terms of Sigourney Weaver is playing Ripley she's had a sort of traumatic time the camera zooms out and you're like hold on why is she sitting in a field this is in space there are no lovely fields like this and then the further it zooms out you realize she's just sitting next to sort of she's in a comfort space in a spaceship sort of making her feel better and more relaxed and it actually works because initially you think she's there and then it pulls away and you obviously then get it. It's a visual gag. Yeah. <laughs> and neither of oh. neither of these films have actually got it right at all. They've just got like they've got wrongly proportioned things playing in the background of people's heads. <laughs> um, and then you go, why is that girl's boyfriend like ten times bigger than her? Oh, that must be a video or so, Dean. Right. And it is a video. So uh, I didn't get to the end of the film, so I can't really judge it too harshly. But that was one of my takeaways. Um, Okay. <laughs> that was about it, really. I watched The Room last night, so we'll get on to filmmaking advice next. But I watched The Room with um, Tommy Wiseau. You literally of, um, watched it with him as well, didn't you? Well, actually, here's here's the kind of weird bit. But actually, he sat outside with um, the other star, Greg Sestero. Yeah. And they were just by the merch stand all night. Okay. So, I mean, they've probably seen the film quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's what um, I mean. 
Yeah, uh, and so the thing is, just quickly explain this experience. So it's one of those things, I don't know if you've been or if you've heard about it, but like the Rocky Horror Picture Show has this whole thing where people go and there's lots of sort of um, call and response moments where people are kind of involved in the film and then they sing along and all this sort of stuff. There's loads of bits in this that if you're not familiar with the film, you'll kind of be left going like, what is going on here, mate? One thing I didn't realise was the prevalence of spoons in the art in the film. And every time that happens, people chuck plastic spoons all over the cinema. Um, so, so that did you was get surprising. loads of spoons hitting you in the head? Yeah, just plastic ones though. Everyone was. They were like raining down on people. People had bought like black carrier bags full of them. Right. <laughs> it <laughs> um, seems like an environmental disaster waiting to happen. Probably, yeah. And the problem is, Ollie, I think this is kind of cinema policed. Like they're basically saying, look, guys, nobody's chucking real spoons around here. Yeah. And that sounds like they're saying it from experience. Because ah, they've right. been held liable for injuries. Okay. So, yeah, I've actually just realised, I'm looking at the cover of the film, because I bought a DVD and he signed it. Wow. I've just realised that he's written Love W. Like wow. Love Wizzo. You know. That's nice of him. Yeah, so I saw that. That was a lovely, fun experience. And the film is, like, batshit mental. But, um, yeah, that's about it for me. What about you? I'm up and down at the moment. I'm I'm half good, half bad. Let me explain why. <laughs> uh, Are you so, like uh, Two Face? Yeah, a bit like Two Face. So the good. I was in London at the weekend. I saw yourself and uh, you know sometimes guest of the podcast Pete. I was with girlfriend of the podcast Mandy. So we were in London. We had some food. We had some banter, and then we went <laughs> off to Alexandra Palace to watch some uh, heavy metal music which is quite good. We That was really good fun. Alexandra Pally. Yeah, Ali Pally. So that was good. Who did you uh, see? Uh, we saw Architects. It was their biggest show Not ever. the Architects. No, just Architects. It, just Architects, yeah. yeah. No definite article. Okay. No. So that was good. That was really good. Really enjoyed that. But it's been really cold. So I have to inform you that my half marathon training has mostly been done indoors this week because i've tried to go running outside but it's deathly cold and i hate it and i'm not normally one to complain about the cold because i find it quite easy to stay indoors but when you're training and you've got to go out and it's this cold i mean i don't know what it's is like down in that london but in that coventry ah it's it is it's next level cold better is it yeah i feel betrayed because the weather kind of went mild and then it's basically took a turn for the cold and it's just horrible so that's that's brought me down quite a bit can you tell us what exact uh, temperature it is there uh when you wake up in the morning it's minus two okay it feels every bit as cold it's just not nice. Uh, so, uh, also, what says it's seven degrees there right now, Ollie. It's Same got a bit. London. It's got a little bit warmer today, but the the past week has been has been chilly. I, I know what I feel. That's all I'm saying. You've got ten, you've got ten percent more humidity, so maybe that's making the air colder because it's freezing. Yeah, it is. I don't we're, know. I don't know. I don't scra- know this. Look, Leave this to the eggheads. It's a scraping car scenario. Okay. Uh, also, okay. on a on a what I've watched. Thing. Uh, also watched the Cloverfield Paradox. Now, if you can recall back to the 2018 look ahead, I will have said that I was looking forward to this one. And this is one that I was well up for. Yeah. 
you know and I'm sad to say that I thought it was I thought it was pretty average it, it's very derivative of other things that's the problem where the film Life was very derivative of Alien this is kind of again derivative of, of Alien and, and, and that sort of thing and I just don't really think it does anything new or interesting with it some of the, it looks nice and it's well acted but and a lot actually really like the fact that they have somebody on the crew that speaks their native tongue the whole way throughout the film and they don't break into kind of accent English that that I like but it, it does make me like wonder about we were talking in the week over Skype about this um, Lords of Chaos film which is about the the Norwegian black metal scene so there's a there's a film coming out later this year and it's about um, Vagverkener's killing Euronymous uh, and it was this whole kind of black metal thing church burning so they're doing they're doing that and they're using a lot of American actors and my worry for that film more than anything more than them portraying anybody incorrectly is that everybody's going to be going around talking in English with bad Norwegian accents and I kind of hope that they accents, hopefully. Hey man, yeah. hey Count Grishnak, how you doing? It's pretty cold out here, right? Got any new killer I mean, that, riffs? If they're going to do it in English, they may as well do that because, like, the accent yeah. thing's going to be shit. Yeah. Um, I, the only thing, like the Cloverfield thing, like, I actually didn't think it looked that good. It didn't look very unique. It just looks. It actually looked to me a lot like an episode of Black Mirror. I wish some like spaceships looked a bit more like they were used. I, I get that it's kind of supposed to be a new spaceship, but yeah, like it just looks like it's straight out of a factory and it's all nicely lit and stuff. Put a few fagbots around the place, something like that. It's a bit of a weird one, though. You know, David Ayelowo was in uh, Selma. Yeah, he played Martin Luther King in that. This is a weird film for him to have taken on. I reckon. Yeah, but. I'll, I'll need to watch it tonight. I'll finish and watching it tonight. The other thing is, I'm not convinced that what they're doing at the moment with getting films that are kind of 90% finished and then tacking Cloverfield like story elements onto it is working. I don't think it worked with 10 Cloverfield Lane and, and it definitely doesn't work with this one. Um, even though I thought 10 Cloverfield Lane was a brilliant film up until the last reveal um this they're, they're just tacking it on they're just kind of tacking all this stuff on now and if they're going to make a sequel why why not make a sequel to it like, properly write it plan it because it might have been better if if they hadn't have tried to you know tack it onto this uh cloverfield universe i don't know anyway but i'm i'm, I'm gonna say you know even though it's cold i had a great time in london you know things have been it's fine cool. i think i'm i think i'm a a cool original eight right okay Okay. Just buy some good things that you can put on your body to stay warm. Like a gilet. Like heated running slacks. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we move on to the deep dive? Yes, please. Let's go on with the show. Okay, it's time to deep dive. And this week, I thought it was going to be a good idea to talk about how to make a movie. And there's a couple of things that have just been uh, fortuitous that they come along at the same time. But also, Ollie, you and I have been chatting about making film-based stuff since well before oh, we God. started making this yeah. podcast. 
yeah like all we do about it is chat and what we do about it is very sort of occasional so but not wanted to chat a little bit about what it takes to make a movie so yeah we've done a couple of things before we should talk about those in a little while we've you know got plans to make a couple of things coming up which uh we can go into in a bit of detail and i think by telling people about it then commits us to it we're gonna have to bloody get this done okay um but first i thought whether they like it or not (laughs) whether they like it or not um and through this deep dive i'd like to sprinkle some uh advice from different uh filmmakers and, and other people so the things that have come along that have just been fortuitous are we got this interview with elliot grove from rain dance which we'll we'll get into in a minute but also like i said last night i met tommy wiseau at the screening of the room Okay. Wow. wow. When I met him, I said to him, do you have any... Hey, Tommy. Of... No, that's how he talks. Okay. Hey, Tommy. Uh, and I wasn't trying to be arty. Oh. Hey, Tommy. Yoni. Tommy. Oh, sorry, you were more like... Uh, Tommy. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I said, what's your advice to uh, up-and-coming filmmakers? I guess, like you can play the clip if the clip works if not I'll just tell you what Tommy said okay so Tommy first off said respect equals success (laughs) respect so that's respect equals success what do you think that means respect equals success what does that mean well he tried to elaborate on a theme kind of similar to that during his Q&A and it kind of made it more confusing I think it's supposed to be something like karma. Like, you know, if you're good to even assholes, you know, ultimately something good will happen to you. But he explained it and he didn't really get to the bit about something good happening for you. He just said, be be good to assholes. I mean, I'm quite nice to you. Good one. Good one. I was going to say that, you know, you. No, I won't say anything more. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What you get up to in your shed's up to you. Um, so his second his second uh, bit of advice as I started walking away was um, try keep going you know is that like basically never don't give up that's basically never don't give up I think he he said just try keep going you know he then cut into by saying hey Q&A in a minute <laughs> which, okay. which is like as I walked away I think he was basically trying to hurry me along because like he needed to walk through to the other room and then do the Q&A um, you know, as you know in like, hey, well, why not listen there? Okay, uh, I mean, but you know what this kind of reminds me of, this kind of just keep going is you, you always hear this in our industry and, you know, uh, people always say this at like their uh, Harvard University talks or, or whatever, but kind of failing is part of, of of getting better. And I think a lot of the time, you get frustrated in that you you haven't done something or it's been crap because we've we've done a couple of things that haven't worked they haven't been very good they're unfinished but i think once we say actually that doesn't work it wasn't very good then you can kind of move on from it and you can you know and whatever we're going to do next we'll we'll learn from it for example we filmed something last year which we scripted but we didn't put enough planning into the actual filming of it. And then when we came to film it, we had no idea of of tempo. We had no idea of any kind of pacing or how we were going to shoot it. We just kind of, we just kind of did it. So everything kind of ended up, every shot was really long. 
and and when it's edited all together it's just got no no flow no pace and i think we both know that it's just not going to work even though the idea was fine it's never a don't give up mate the hardest thing is literally just having an idea and thinking i'm going to put this idea onto a bit of paper because like in your head you think people are probably going to think that's shit but everyone has yeah. to do it at some point yeah so there you go that's my that's my uh, first thought inspirational speech yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, don't never, never give up. It's not who you are. Just try to keep going, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was Tommy. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna intersperse this whole deep dive with some uh, real advice or Ian Spice, and you have to guess whether it's real advice or something I've just made up. Okay. So you ready? You ready for one of these? Go on. In. Basically, just a process of being rejected over and over and over and over and over again until you either give up or something breaks and you get an opportunity. Do you think that's something I said, or something? Yeah, you, somebody in film. Is this when um, they interviewed you about your your success on Tinder? Okay, I've never actually used Tinder, and that's a fact. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Okay, so I think that that's. A true fact. Okay, that is true. That's Andrew Garfield, the actor um, from Hacksaw Ridge on auditioning. Okay. So, you know, you've got to be prepared for it. If you're an actor, just kind of keep going at it or be prepared that it could be quite harsh and you might have to just give up if that type of thing is not for you. So, without further ado, we're going to... Never don't give up. Ne- never don't give up. Just try keep going, you know? We're going to uh, have a listen to this interview that I did with Elliot Grove from Raindance. Elliot seemed like a really, really nice guy, um, and I didn't get a chance to properly chat to him when I did the course that he took uh, about a year ago, um, or maybe about six months ago, but I had a proper chance to chat to him today, and uh, he was really helpful and interested in the podcast, interested in um, the stuff that we were chatting about wanting to do. Um, So this is him talking a little bit about... um, how to make films. Roll VT! So, uh, yeah, just to kick us off, Elliot Grove from Raindance, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Raindance do and how it all began? Uh, well, Raindance is an independent film festival here in London. Uh, we've been going for a quarter century. We also have a film school, and we've been championing independent film and independent voices since 1992, a long, long time ago. <laughs> I was I was uh, I think four years old at that point, <laughs> so quite yeah quite a long way back. So a lot of heritage then, um, as well as the school part. Um, you've also got a number of credits in films uh, yourself. You've made lots of films. Yeah, I've made lots of films. None none that you would ever remember, sadly, because they failed at the distribution hurdle. Okay. And that's one of the big challenges and one of the big changes over twenty five years. You see, twenty five years ago, you got roughly a million dollars, pounds, euros, if that existed then. You made a movie, it pretty much got straight into the cinema uh, for a week, maybe, or two weeks if you were lucky, and then went out on VHS or DVD, and investors would pretty much get their money back, and if they made a lot of money, then you would get a bigger budget to make another film. But then in uh, 2007, something called YouTube happened <laughs> and it completely changed the distribution strategy it's 10 years ago just over 10 years ago but many many people don't have a tv anymore many people don't have the ability to play a dvd and of course netflix for five years old now 
the magazine subscription style. You pay so much a month, suck all you want. Yeah. And that's completely changed, again, distribution. For the bigger guys, it's great, Netflix, for example, because you all tune in to see the latest high-profile TV show. But for independent filmmakers, you see Lost amongst literally thousands of other films. Yeah. And as a filmmaker on Netflix, you only get paid if someone watches it. Yeah. And you're pretty much stuffed, I think. So prices paid for independent films have plummeted dramatically over the last 10 years, okay. which means... Um, if you want to make money on a film, you need to get a bigger budget to get a name so people will buy the name or go see the movie because so-and-so's in it. And those names actually have been shrinking in number. So some of the incredibly well-known names that you would think would command a high price, like yeah. Nicolas Cage, for, for example, uh, his prices dropped because he had a series of box office disasters. Yeah. And then to go the next right, the Tom Cruise, the Benedict Cumberbatch and so on, now you need a pretty much need an eight-figure number on a piece of paper. Yeah, that, okay. Yeah. And it, uh, it's an interesting slant then, the, the distribution changes, because you, you kind of mentioned that the films that you've been involved in, in, in making and producing, mm. uh, you struggled at the distribution point. Is that something that the, the change, because obviously the freedom to get onto some of the platforms like YouTube mm -hmm. is there, are you able to see benefits to the change in, in the model at all, or are there, are there positives to it? Um, there are huge positives to it, bizarrely, because in the traditional distribution model, you would hire a sales agent who would sell your film to, say, Germany or Korea, or would, I'd take a big fat commission, uh, and that would be the only money you see. But now, because of social media and digital distribution like YouTube, Vimeo, and so on, it's possible to, to sell straight yeah. to the consumer so even though or you using amazon prime for example so some filmmakers understand that system and actually probably make more money on the new way than they might have on the old way yeah. but the amount of work of course that is involved with as you know yourself with your your wonderful podcast here is is, is huge letting people know yeah which brings me the, to another the point. Effort There's, you put in, you get out. Basically, the amount of um, time yeah. and, and energy you put into uh, promoting it really yeah. is what pays off with the. And another big change is that the traditional. When I started, you had a writer, producer, director. Producer got the money and supervised it. This writer, the script, and so on. But now there's a fourth member of the team called the producer of media and distribution, PMD. This is a person in charge of social media, crowdfunding, self-distribution, all that kind of those kinds of assets. A relatively new position, literally a few years old now. Yeah. And if anyone wanted to break into filmmaking and was good at social media, I would highly advise they promote themselves as a PM. D because you'll get the phone ringing off the hook. There's not many people doing it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Ollie uh, and I both work in video games and we're both interested in getting into um, film. But in video games, a relatively new, probably over the same sort of period of time, five years, there have been social media managers have become a much more prescient sort of yeah. part of the, the game yeah. team and uh, yeah. VIP managers kind of looking after players and yeah. making sure that they're kind of... Yeah. Uh, uh, catered to is kind of yeah. a big part of it. Yeah, well, the, I, I would think the parallels between gaming, launching a new game, and launching a new movie, independently produced game or movie, are probably identical. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah, a lot of the same sort of. Uh, I think that's the thing is like often indie game studios are on the hunt for the backing of somebody like a Sony or a Microsoft to then give them that boost for their next game, or that's quite often the route you you kind of put a hit indie thing, and then yeah. one of these yeah. big companies pick you up. So uh, a couple of different questions just around um, making movies, I guess, like sort of general. Uh, these are quite generalist and uh, maybe not as specific as might be useful in practical terms, but big, big questions. Um, so are there elements in film production that you'd say for the first crack at it, you'd be okay with living with perhaps like a sort of lower quality or um, are there any parts of the process that first time round maybe should take up less of your thought process or time than say the film itself or mm. the audio or the lighting uh, are there any parts that could easily fall by the wayside well, let, all important let me answer that in terms of another uh, creative industry one that i was actually trained at back in toronto my hometown art school uh -huh. so you want to learn to draw right you want to learn to make a film right well that first two years we didn't draw a nice heavy expensive paper we drew on newsprint because you make your mistake and something's cheap yeah. and so too with filmmaking I think you want to get your free editing software on whichever platform you use and use your cell phone or a, a cheap you know DSLR camera yeah. and start and make your mistakes on that I, I, I would say um, if you wanted to focus on any one of the filmmaking elements I would focus on sound okay more than anything, actually. So I would get a really good... It's a sort of dead giveaway for low quality if you've kind of forgotten or tacked on the sound afterwards. Yeah, and oh my God, I just saw a film, someone, a, a close friend, spent a fortune on a camera, made a 10-minute short for far more money than they should have had, and she neglected the sound, and it's ruined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's totally brother. <laughs> no matter how good the acting or the story is, bad sound would just go... No. Yeah, it's a, an immediate turn-off. for. And I'm guessing gaming too, your sound effects and that. I mean, yeah, and it's surprising actually. Uh, I, I'd kind of talk on behalf of Ollie. Ollie is a, an ex-sound designer now, um, dialogue producer, so kind of recording VO and, and games. But um, I think as a general statement, quite often audio is still forgotten in games. It's, it's kind of still left to last on the list. and like, oh, Got to got to budget for this. Got to work out how we're going to do this. Um, so it's quite it's quite surprising how the same mistakes keep being made across across a number of different studios that I've worked at over, mm. over time. Well, people people remember emotion. They don't remember information. A picture in a game or a movie is information. Emotion comes through sound and music. Yeah, the engagement to the yeah. that's where you, yeah the connection to the character comes from, yeah, from yeah, that yeah. voice. Um, so, uh, kind of extending that same sort of question, is there a, it, it, do you think that there's an, uh, an even way across a film in terms of like, regardless of what budget you've got, whether it's absolutely nothing or, or you know, a, a decent amount of money to make a first film, do you think there's a way of divvying up that budget um, for the various disciplines or the different parts, uh, elements that come together? Or would you give equal footing to all the various uh, elements that you combine? I would give very unequal footing um, again, sound, as we just mentioned. The other place, depending on the script and the story, I would try to take some of the money and find an actor that someone recognizes outside of uh, your family circle. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Preferably someone not from television because they are TV stars and not movie stars. But I've had many over the years, many stories of well-known movie stars acting in first movies 
um, there was a guy called called Sylvester Stallone who invented in Copland, uh, acted in Copland. Yeah, this is uh, sort For, of year off project, his art project. Yeah, put on weight and, and it ruined his action adventure career because he was an indecisive cop and overweight. Yeah, with a bad ear. And yeah, and all that to prove to his critics he could act. Well, that was a first time director, you see, and the total budget of that film was was very low because none of the talent took money. They took deferred salaries out of any profit yeah um but i could tell you story after story of well-known actors who do that in order to bolster their acting jobs well if they if they find it unusual maybe they haven't been beheaded yet or i don't know had an arm ripped off or whatever your story (laughs) is yeah (laughs) uh okay are there any um are there any elements that either the students here or the people you've worked with professionally when they kind of have their first crack at it, are there things that are the kind of perennial mistake that all of mm. these people make the first time through mm-hmm. that would be advisable to keep an eye out for? Yeah, well, there's two. Sound we've talked about is number two, but number yeah. one is story. Uh, to give you an idea, last year at the festival, we had over 10,000 submissions yeah. from all over the world, 119 different countries, shorts, features, VR, documentaries, and we showed about 200. Okay. Now. I would say the major reason our programming team said no to a film was because there was no story. Okay. <laughs> Just a series of images. Have you, do you have any friends that have said to you, can I tell you a joke? And just the way they say that, you go, no, thank you. It's already boring. I mean, that would describe a great number of the films that we've said no to. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what uh, if anything, then... If uh, if you had a piece of advice to those people, what would you what would you say? Like, find somebody who can write it for you, or or just that they should be concentrating on story first and foremost. Well, well, the answer short answer is yes. But let's turn around. You want to make a movie? Where do you start? You need to get an idea. Sure. You need to test it out. You need to put it on some sort of writing form. It doesn't need to be script format, but even bullet points, what we call a shot list, and then you need to make sure it tells a story. Then you need to get a camera. It doesn't need to be an expensive camera. It could be your cell phone. You need to get some actors and you need to point the camera at the actors and then put on the great sound of music and you've got a really good chance. Okay. Uh, so just kind of... <laughs> <I laughs> it's really simple. It, yeah, that's the thing is when it's put that way, it, it is a very sort of simple it thing. Is, it, there's nothing... To, it is simple. It is hard work. It is very hard work. But it is the basic principle is really simple. Yeah. Perhaps like uh, just like you, you today. You've travelled to my office from God knows where. You've plugged in your laptop and your speaker, and we're talking, right? Now, it isn't that simple. The fact is, I'm sure you've made lots of mistakes with other microphones. You made other mistakes with other whatever, whatever. But it is that simple. You showed up, you plugged it in, and we're talking. Yeah, it's almost that simple. Making a film. Quite often, and this happens in games as well, is that people get um, kind of ground down into the weeds quite often, and kind of uh, they'll focus too much on one particular area, and then not see the sort of bigger picture and be able to simplify just down to sort of bare bones what we're actually doing here. Well, well, the other the other interesting thing I found about movies is it's not a filmmaking industry; it's a marketing industry. They happen to be marketing a unique product. So you need to make sure your product fits the marketing machine, if you like. Uh, The poster, the title, the genre, all of those sorts of things. Again, very similar, I think, to gaming. You know, you want to see a movie, you want to get a new game. 
how how do you see it? You see on Netflix, you get a, a little box the size of a matchbox or smaller. Yeah. That little image, does that intrigue you? And then you get three, four lines, maybe 20 words we need to explain before someone clicks. It's a very pertinent point. In, in games, at least, there's a, a large amount of time spent on the app icons and a large amount of money spent on testing click-throughs in the app store. Yeah. Do people actually click this thing? Is it yeah. appealing? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, whole departments that can work on that sort of thing, yeah. which is yeah. uh, exactly the same thing. I think when... When all these hours and potentially years of work go into what's essentially like a thumbnail on a screen, it's kind of demoralizing, but if you get it right, then that's the... But that's, that's the reality. The other thing I've found out is Netflix lists their titles from A to Z, or A to Z, as they say in North America. In America. So why not... And, and when you go into Netflix, you flick on the screen and you get A to B, or the next yeah. screen. Did you know Americans don't like flipping screens they're too lazy yeah. so the advice is always start fold. always start with the letter a <laughs> or b <laughs> um, and you get something like a 40 percent higher click-through rate just for the first letter in your title and you're going oh my god i thought it was a creative artiste oh my god. <laughs> um so a couple couple more things so like yeah. uh we've mentioned a couple times uh being able to in, in order to just get something done um use the phone that you've got in your pocket the the quality is there and i've mm. heard countless filmmakers say you know this is comparable or at least far more comparable than it has ever been before mm. to the type of thing that it's 4k uh, now it's cinema, amazing cinema screens are projecting so yeah. um but if people were to want to make the shift from that to the level where they are using sort of professional level kit mm. what advice would you have for people looking to do that first of all understand why you need it. Ask yourself why you need the better camera, be it film or electronic. There has to be a reason for to do that. If you're going film, maybe you want to shoot in Super 8, the entry-level film format, uh, or 16mm before you go to the 35mm gauge. Uh, these days, no cinemas project celluloid anymore, so you're always going to end up in a digital, digital format. Form, yeah. um, and and <laughs> oh, Another person I know very wealthy man decided he wanted to direct a movie and he had every single penny that you'd ever want and he gets Harvey Keitel to come over to act in his movie and it was just awful. A, he'd never directed before and the story, to be frank, sucked. So how do you how do you commend someone for the effort on that? You say, oh my God, you stumbled at the very, very first hurdle. He would have yeah. better going out, even shooting, putting up little Lego men and pretending the car, whatever, framing the shots to learn, yeah. putting in a computer and seeing, you know, he didn't does know. It, does it flow? Does it make sense? He didn't know about B-roll. He didn't know about anything or camera angles or mid-shot, medium shot. He didn't know any of that shit. And um, oh my God. But there was money. Kind of, it reminds me because actually last night I went to the Prince Charles to see the room. Oh yes, Tommy Wiseau, and he was there. Uh, oh it's really? Kind of the same sort of story <laughs> is that he wanted like he goes to the uh, camera shop and says we want to buy this equipment, and the, the guys behind the desk are like, people rent this equipment. He's like, no, I buy it. <laughs> like, Spend millions of dollars on camera equipment and stock, and then leaves. Um, so you kind of know how that one went. But um, my friend was a room type disaster without the the personality and nous of uh, Tommy was eccentricity so, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Do you have any rules that you would never kind of break if you were working on a production of a film where there are kind of golden rules that you need to stick to? Yeah. Maybe we keep going back to the same sorts of things like you know, always keep audio so, in mind. And yeah. uh, well, rule number one is your friends cannot act. And when you're starting off, they're always volunteer. Oh, I want to act. And if you invite them on your set, as I have on my films when I was starting out, uh, and they're really horrible, you can't actually tell them off because yeah. they're your mates. And yeah. if you do, you destroy personal relationship. <laughs> so that would be number one. Number two is, you know, we talk about the insane, stupid, long hours of shooting and everything, which is true. But people have bodies that are actually machines and they need fuel. So you need to make sure that people are well rested and so on. Your rate of returns, so to speak, will be much higher if you look after your people. Yeah. And lastly, if you're doing a film on your own, starting out, no money. I had an email yesterday from a kid in 15 years old in Colorado. He said, oh, I want to make a feature film. He's made lots of shorts. But he said, they're so complicated, what should I do? And I said, well, you should make a list of all the resources you can get cheap or free and make sure that you can concoct a story that happens around one location, one area. Yep. So you're not spending all that time traveling with accommodation and so on. And your so-called one-room films, the, the uh, paranormal activities of this world and so on, are all single-location films for a reason, because yep. they're cheap to do. Yeah. But the downside of that is they're so cheap to do that everyone's doing it. So now you need to look at a story element that no one else has thought of yet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all excellent advice. Uh, we have like some quick fire questions that we sure. ask most people. So sure. Sure. Uh, go through the, these four very quickly then to close yeah. off. So uh, what was the last movie that you saw? Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, as good as uh, Battle of the Sexes. And did you like it? I did like it very much. That was one of Ollie's uh, favourites from sort of tail end, start, end of last year, start of this year. Um, I saw it the tail end of last year, yeah. yeah. I saw a preview screening, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he really enjoyed that one. Um, the next one is, what's your favourite film of all time? My favourite film of all time is Lassie Comes Home, which is the first film I saw in a cinema. I grew up Amish and I snuck into a cinema when I was 16 years old, to and see what the devil looked like, you see. And <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It wasn't and, so bad. <laughs> and you still uh, would rewatch it to this day? And I, would, I haven't seen it for a long time. I watched it maybe 10 years ago, but okay. I should watch it again, and it looks so cheesy that I couldn't believe I liked it. But it, but it, it still sort of resonates in that place in your mind. I cried. I cried. <laughs> You know, I can't say that I cried, but then it was a long time since I saw Lassie come up. Can, can I tell you my Japanese story? Go ahead. I'm in Absolutely. Japan doing a screenwriting class a few years ago. 30 people. One of the participants, a 72-year-old fisherman, who had over 50 Yakuza movies from his scripts made, one of them sold to Tarantino, became Kill Bill. Okay. And I asked the group at the end, what makes a good movie? And he puts his hand up and he says, Elliot San... Our bodies are 75% water, and a good movie squeezes your body fluids out of an appropriate pore. And I thought, that absolutely sums it up, doesn't it? Good movie, good book, good game. Yeah. Emotion. Yeah. It's, uh, it took me a moment to, to make that leap there. But I you don't get, it. Yeah, you you don't get turned on, you don't good. shit yourself, you don't piss yourself, you don't cry, you don't laugh. You know, what's the point then? If what's you know, the point? Yeah. Okay, yeah, very good, very good. Um, 
Are you a popcorn person or no? I love popcorn. I love popcorn, but it's so bloody expensive. My God. <laughs> it's also uh, a debate between Ollie and I. He's a popcorn person. I'm not really. You're not? No, what do you eat? I kind of tend not to eat, but I would probably take a bag of sweets in if I Oh that's my what God. It was. Let's see your teeth. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not good. They're not good. Uh, and also, we do uh, something every week called our life scores. So, like weekly, we kind of give it a grade out of 10. So, how are you doing at the moment? I'm, I'm about. 8.4 percent actually oh that's yeah. good yeah, 8.84 out of 100 i should say yeah. as opposed to 8.4 percent yeah that'd should. be quite low <laughs> look I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world i get to meet the most talented people as yourself i work with a great team like harvey who you've met and i get to sit around talking to people like you so fantastic yeah um is there anything coming up with uh rain dance that's worth Telling us about it that people could get involved in or something that uh, they could come and see that Rain Dance are doing soon? Well, the festival is happening in the autumn again in Leicester Square, which is cool. And we've just launched yesterday a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, we need help to keep the, the prices for disabled and under 25s at the current level. Um, okay. And London's an expensive city. So that's going on. We have a whole range of activities coming up. On March 17th here in London, we're doing the Fantasy Film Workshop, okay. where you can learn how to create on film safely your erotic fantasies. So maybe see wow. you there. Wow, okay. If you've ever had one. I think that sounds like maybe more up Bali Street than my street. <laughs> <laughs> um, can people find the crowdfunder uh, through your... Through raindance.org, yes, okay. is our website, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so what you've just seen there is an interview that Ian did with Elliot from uh, Raindance. Yeah. Ian, talk more to me about it. So at this stage, you've not actually heard it, even though the listeners will have heard it. One of the things, we're both pretty clued up now, I think, at least based on all the different stuff that we've read, that we shouldn't ignore audio. Audio is pretty important, right? Um, so he, okay. he reiterated that a couple Look, of times. I know that. <laughs> I, I know that. So Come on. you decided to make the most harrowing sound possible to confirm <laughs> that you think audio is important. Yeah, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what you're telling me for. I mean, people can hear the podcast. They know that the audio quality is... You know, on a level slightly that, above, uh, you know, you know, norm, <laughs> slightly above average. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's that's one of the things he was uh, keen on. One of the things he did say, Ollie, was that we shouldn't get friends to be our actors. We should get actors in. Now, he's coming at things from the point of view of has, having some money, and he's thinking, you know, when you make a good script, you should try and attach the best possible actor you can to it. That you will then get your idea some okay. exposure and other people can see it maybe that's not the state that we're in yet we just need to learn about filming stuff but we, one yeah. of the things that he did say was you can't really direct your friends unless you kind of you know you're prepared to tell them that they're not doing something right or you're prepared to kind of lose that friendship so for that reason i think tim deering's the best option Ian, for are you are you prepared to lose this friendship yeah exactly yeah so Tim who um, podcast listeners can see in our video moving goalposts um, is a natural so I'm prepared to have him do another yeah, thing for he us. is a natural um, but yeah by the way go to facebook.com forward slash guys on film to check that yeah. video out because it is funny if a bit long and that's one of the yeah, lessons we that, that we've lesson learned. is far too long but it has got some good stuff in there and it sounds great 
<laughs> Apart from my mouth breathing on the uh, audio recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Another lesson learned. So, uh, get a proper sound guy. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Elliot, and hopefully, we'll be able to do sort of a little bit more stuff with Rain Dance over, uh, you know, over the year or over time to come. Same the way that we're able to kind of catch you know back what, Ian? up. Sorry, I said, do you know what, Ian? Oh, you know, tell me. I'd what, quite be what? interested in doing one of their bloody courses. You know. Yeah, you're up serving it. Yeah, I'm quite. Um, up, I'm quite I'm up for doing one of the more. Twelve it. I I would suggest that in your case you probably don't want to do the one day film course because that's quite theoretical I think you and I should probably both do like a practical one like film in a day or something I think is one that they do yeah Um, okay so like hands on some equipment (laughs) you you won't be uh, unfamiliar (laughs) with that hey shh yeah yeah great the shed yeah brilliant okay so oh uh, uh, this episode Ollie you've taken a real anti-shed banter turn You've, you're sick of it. I did last episode. You're, as well. ri- you're I was riled sick up of it about last it. Last episode. Yeah. 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 I just think it's time to move on. Yeah. Do you? I think it's peaked. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's crack on with with how to make a film. Something of the shed peaked. Um, right. Let's do another real advice or Ian Spice. I, mean, I don't like that tag name for a start. I think it's <laughs> it's not good. It's just a little bit of Ian Spice. I want to do things over and over and over again. That gives me a lot of pleasure. The more you do it, the better it will be. The performance, the quality. I can't the think you would say this, so yeah, it's it's real advice. That's Ian Spice, mate. I'm afraid that's Is Ian it? Spice. I, I tried to make it sexual by saying over and over and performance and pleasure, but you didn't pick up on that. Okay. Tried to make and it so saucy and spicy. Actually, yeah, okay. So that's just a fake one. No one said that. So Ollie, should we have a little bit of okay. a chat about um what it is that we want uh, to make sure sure so like we've had lots of different ideas some of which whilst I was doing the mundane task of clearing up my work laptop because I'm going to switch over to a swanky new model um, I was going through stuff that we wrote about two or three years ago that I had like basically in my downloads folder in my work laptop um, okay. ideas that we've put on the shelf and forgotten all about but might be worth resurrecting because uh, okay. I, I actually think in most cases I know that you said that the sort of process of deciding to put an idea down on paper is kind of a tough one because as soon as you do you're like oh, people are going to hate this I actually think most yeah. of the bits that we've written relatively speaking are pretty decent we need to just get better at yeah, the execution sure. stuff I mean it's yeah. quite you know big headed of you to say that without anybody having seen it but you know fine um, I, I think in, in the writing I mean, I'm not saying that we're the best writers of all time. I'm just saying the fact that we've got a bunch of stuff to try is good. Listen, this is our main problem. We make things that are just far too long. We we, we kind of find it difficult to self-edit, um, and that's what we're trying to do. So we've actually written a couple of things that maybe will only last like one to two minutes long. That's the end Short, um, sharp, and good. So there's, there's that, and then there's also like a kind of medium sort of maybe 10 minute length project that we're working on now and then you're also looking at something you know which is maybe like a a 90 minute thing how in your mind does the process differ between a one minute project and a 90 minute project what what would Uh, you you know skip out in the one minute one that 
you know or, or do you think it all it, it, it just scales i think it scales because I, I was i mean i i don't know because i've not ever made a 90 minute project but what i would say is um i mean talking about the writing because we haven't really made anything yet so oh you know, just talking about the actual writing which is what what we have done so one of the one of the trickier bits is that um you probably can um say that even at the very smallest end of like filmed stuff like a sort of minute sketch or whatever um you could probably say on some in some form or other there's like a narrative structure there that has a beginning middle and end but when it's just sort of one straightforward idea that kind of just writes itself you don't need to get too wrapped up in the structure stuff I think for the the longer stuff that I've attempted to do, trying to block out what is going to happen and so that you don't get yourself into a place where you've written three quarters of it and then you don't know where it's going to go, like I have, um, okay. you need to really do the sort of high-level blocking out of it and work out what the various different bits are going to be. Um, I still okay. think like while you write it, allowing it to sort of flow a bit is definitely the way to go, but... Yeah, you need some structure to it, and the smaller ones you don't. Now, the the other thing I was just going to say about scaling is that I watched a video with Jordan Peele talking about Get Out. Okay. And um, he was he was basically interpreting, or sorry, he was reading out interpretations of uh, people on the internet of the film and what various different bits meant. And oh, I've seen that. I've a, seen that. Yeah. A lot of them are kind of uh, bullshit that he says people are smoking weed if they ever thought that it was true. But quite a, quite a lot of yeah. them are true, and the that kind of just gets across like the number of like special little pieces in that film that's only an hour and a half. Oh yeah. The the density of like ideas in every moment in the whole film suggest that you know yeah. to get to that level of quality you need to be like scrutinizing every block of the film every like sort of chunk of it to the point that we yeah. probably are with this one minute sketch and i think that probably means yeah. that the time it takes us to plan and organize to do this one minute sketch you could probably just multiply by 90 to get to full film i keep coming back to this this one scene in terminator 2 which is where um, the T-1000 morphs through the prison bars and then his gun gets stuck and I always think I always think that, that that's a little detail that is brilliant but it could so easily be missed yeah do you know what I mean yeah and I think it it also helps in another way that like extends beyond just like being a nice little element but it also it makes you know that James Cameron is aware you know that whole thing that like um mechanical um non you know when like basically the the metal can be transferred through time but uh, things yeah. like bombs can't because they're sort of mechanical complex objects yeah that that tiny little moment kind of shows you that james cameron obviously recognizes that and like i know it's not directly related to it but like that complicated thing couldn't get through and you know, like bombs can't get through time, and it's just kind of like a recognition that maybe it's a little bit of a hokey like plot point, but that moment kind of recognizes. So, have you got any more um, facts or spice? Fact slash spice. Oh, mate, I'll yeah. show you some of that spice. Yeah, here's the next one. Listen to suggestions and be willing to admit when you're wrong about something. Even apologize in front of the whole cast and crew if necessary. I still do that today. I make terrible mistakes and get upset sometimes and angry. Never be afraid to be seen as someone who makes a mistake and can own up to it. That's that's got to be like Ron Howard, doesn't it? 
That's me, Ollie. Is no, it? it's not. It's Paul Verhoeven. Ah, okay. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's real advice. So you're correct. It's it's not something I came up with because I. Okay. Do you think it's good advice? I think it is. Yeah. Usually that's what I do in work. I definitely don't apologise to you, but that's what I do with my team when I get yeah. something wrong. Listen to suggestions. You apologise. I think I just burped when I said suggestions. Here's here's an interesting phrase. Um, uh, be prepared to kill your darlings. Do you know? Do you know about this one? Um, and this this is about the kind of the writing stage again. Okay. Yeah. Have you, have you got any idea what that means? Yeah. Um, when you've got. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think who I've I've heard the phrase, but I'm just trying to think who maybe said that. But yeah, it's basically just about like <laughs> you know Deary. once you've spent a lot of time on something it doesn't mean it's good it just means that you've had your mind in that zone for a long time and it's harder to and give it up say, say for example if there's a particular plot element that just isn't working that you're attached to but somebody else can see it from a different way you know, uh, you, know you can are you prepared to sort of shelve a particular bit in order to make the whole thing work I remember reading an interview with Quentin Tarantino actually and he goes he goes that's well cover for me but he said that basically like um, a lot of his films sort of centre around like an image or a scene that he originally thought was was cool which I guess is you know which is fine but he also said that if you take that scene out of the film and it no longer works then the whole film shit and I think that's fair as that's well that's probably fair Okay, that's fair. Fair yeah, verified. Fair. Ian, I'm going to go ahead and say that's fair. Yeah, fair, fair, very fair. Verified. <laughs> I think that's really pretty much it for this what, episode. What are the, you know, we'll, we'll keep getting in the interviews with, uh, with people from, you know, that have actually done this and we'll keep you informed of, of uh, what we're doing. But also what I would say is that it would be wicked. I mean, that's quite... 90s of me to say wicked but it would be totally it would be totally mega if any of our listeners are thinking about uh, writing anything that they that they do you know put pen to paper and uh, give it a go what's the worst that could happen you know contact us tell us about it you know we'd be up for we'd be up for discussing it yeah Ask, asking questions if you've got any questions that you want us to ask uh, filmmakers or writers or anything like that, then we'll get know, a hold of them. It, send us it on as long as it's not as long as it's not something like what you're wearing or, or something. Like, it's completely inappropriate to so keep that to yourself. But uh, you know, anything sensible, then fire it along to us, and you know, we can start start getting these answered. Yeah, that sounds good. I want answers, goddammit. Yeah, anyone that does want to get in touch, they can go to facebook.com forward slash guys on film and then leave us a note on there. Or they can private message us on there as well. Um, and then we can have a chat about that. But yeah, like Ollie says, things that you want us to ask filmmakers or if you want to get in touch with us and we can... I mean, the thing is, we're just feeling this out as well. And I don't mean in a sexy way. We're just trying to work our way through what's good, what's bad, what works, what doesn't. And so we can go on this journey together we're reaching out forever um, so yeah if, if there's anyone that's kind of uh, in the same phase of trying to get a project together it'd be great to have a chat okay, okay. I think that's about all 
So okay. if uh, I think I've said just about everything about this this week, but if you do yeah. want to listen to us without using your fingers, you can talk to Alexa or Google Home and say, um, "Play me the guys on film podcast." And then it'll just play automatically. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Just going to go ahead and do it. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at GOF Podcast, and our website is www.guysonfilm.co.uk. Um, and you can find all of our stuff there and email us from there as well. That's it. It's finished, mate. The show's over. Hold on, Ian. That's how for now. Bye. I expected a bigger response. Bye, Ollie. Bye. (laughs) Go away.